What is up, GWB Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Great White Buffalo Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, this is this is a unique episode because there's nothing like it. There's nothing like this person. Her name is Kelly Clodon, and she is a phenomenal human being. She she came in here, and I've been trying to get her for a while, and she's super busy in life, and she's got kids and work, and to get her to come to this podcast was just a tremendous, like, just honor for her to come do it. And she just spills her heart out, folks. She just, she tells her heart, she tells her story, she tells some of her struggles. It's a deeply spiritual episode. She talks about her faith and, and some of the ups and downs of, of her journey. And guys, we, we talked, we call it the IP address, learning about your identity and purpose. That's just, it's phenomenal. And I really think you're going to get a lot of insight and some stories about struggle and how to persevere uh, and how important that is. So I really hope you enjoy this episode. And I really hope Kelly comes back because she was just phenomenal. And before we get into today's episode, don't forget, you know, follow us on Instagram. We're at the Great White Buffalo Podcast. We have, you know, we're getting some some followers. We're getting some momentum. Like, y'all, you're joining the herd, and it's much appreciated. We definitely notice it. So thank you so much for doing that. And we have merch, as always. I got some hats. I got some stickers. I got some shirts. We're giving out merch all the time. Our giveaway will be announced very shortly. If you go to our giveaway post, you can uh, comment and like it and enter. It's not too late to do so. So do that. Follow us. We appreciate it. We love you. Go to Apple if you can on the podcast. If you listen on Apple, it leaves a five-star rating. It just helps out the podcast. And we're just trying to get, you know, just more people being able to listen and join the herd just like you have. So thank you so much for listening to this episode. And if, uh, if something hits you, if something, uh, you know, touches your heart, DM us, send us a message, let us know. We always love fan interaction. We respond to all the messages, and we, we get a lot of them. So if something really hits you, or maybe something that Kelly says, like, like man, I really want to tell Kelly, you know, I really appreciated that. Send it to us, and I'll, and I'll send it to Kelly. I just really think you know, that, that interaction is a community base. This is what this podcast is about. So we love you, and uh, thank you for listening to the Great Life Buffalo Podcast. Wandering through the great plains of life, things move fast, sometimes a blur. Don't you let this bumpy road separate you from the herd. When you think the day's done, the sun is getting low. We're all looking for something rare, the great white buffalo, the great white buffalo. Podcast with Ben Mayfield. What up, GWB Nation? Welcome to another episode of the Great White Buffalo Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, I truly truly have a gem i have a jewel she is a wonderful human being i've asked her about ten thousand times for her to be on this podcast and each time she says maybe next week and finally i've got her here i tricked her and she is here and i, I it's a good time for her to be here because i appreciate her insight her heart and the way that she views things and the way that she talks about it and the way that she questions herself and the thought and just goes deeper and in depth. And I think you're going to learn a lot today. It's Miss Kelly Clodon. What's up, Kelly? Hello, Van. Hello, yeah. people. What'd you say? GW Nation? Yeah. Great, Great White, White Buffalo. Buffalo listeners. Yeah. Hello. She's a longtime podcast listener. She's listened to every episode. So we're really excited that she's here. Uh, Thank you for having me. <laughs> so, Kelly, let's <laughs> let people know we know each other. We've known each other for a couple of years now, yeah. and we've met at the church yep. that I work at, that you go to, that you previously worked at. How how do you think, I'm trying to remember, when was the first time we met? I was trying to think about that yesterday when I was, you were coming on here. I was like, I don't know if I remember, like, oh, that's Kelly Clodon, like, boom, like, boom. Or if you remember, like, who's this new youth pastor guy coming in here? Do you remember anything? No, I do. I remember the first time we met. Um... I think I was still in an official capacity with 951 at the time. Mm -hmm. And we were breaking down the service after the service like we always used to do. And there you stood. So being the shy person that I am, I went right up to you and introduced myself. You looked a little shell-shocked from the whole experience, though. So, But, yeah, so that was the first time. And then I didn't see you again for ages. 
I keep a low profile. Yeah, I, I've noticed that about you. You do, yeah. So I, I, I know we had to reintroduce at some point, but quite honestly, I, I don't remember when that was. But yeah, I do. Can I not to jump in super sure. deep here? But I remember the first impactful meeting that we had because, you know, there's always like the first time you meet someone, but there's also the first time it's like, well, okay, like this person, like I know this person now. Was Uh-oh. your daughter, one of your daughters, mm-hmm. wasn't heavily involved in the youth program? And I remember in the hallway, just I think maybe after a church service, or maybe you were just there, like on a Wednesday or Tuesday, doing what you know, whatever you're doing. And he said, I want to thank you for inviting her to the youth program to get her plugged in and, and get involved. And you were very sincere, you were very heartfelt. I could feel the energy, but it made me realize as as a person who wants like my biggest ministry, I, I can my friends could probably do this, is I want people to feel like they belong and they feel welcomed because I've been someone who didn't feel like they belonged or was welcomed. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, if you, if you can get that atmosphere of you have value and you're wanted, you can open the door or the floodgate for them to receive the Lord. You can help them receive a community, whatever it may be. But if they don't ever feel like they have a belonging or a welcome they they don't show up. Yeah. You know? And so when you said that to me, it just reaffirmed of like, Ben, the way that you're trying to do this ministry is the way like the Lord has like led me to do it. Like make people feel welcomed. And so I appreciate I don't know if you I remember like, that or not. Oh no, I, I did. Yeah. I remember it clearly. And I'm I did not realize, you know, again, you looked a little shell shocked just from my <laughs> approach. Uh, it, which is not uncommon sometimes. But, yeah, I didn't realize that it, it stuck with you quite that way. I appreciate you saying that. Yeah. But I do want to say that is um, that is something that I feel strongly about is, is people feeling welcome. And, and especially those of us who call ourselves Christians, those of us who call ourselves Christ followers, I think really we should be always, that should be our agenda. Mm-hmm. Is is at least making a space for people, um, creating a space for people, seeing, trying to see the value. I mean, because if we're being honest, sometimes it's hard to see the value in everybody. That's it just true. depends on the circumstance, and that's and I know that's something that people have felt about me at times. But that you took the time to talk to a young girl that you didn't know, and the truth is, I might not have commented on it since if I was not her parent, but I would have noticed it and that you took the time to make that comment. Um, that, that was huge for me. That was huge. Absolutely. I, uh, I, I tell the story when I was in middle school in eighth grade, I was doing some 4-H stuff, which if I have a lot of 4-H friends that listen to this, so shout out to my 4-H peeps. And I was the only person from Lumpkin County going to this 4-H event. And I was very nervous. Like, my mom had to drive me to the event. And I was like, okay, like, I don't know anybody. Like, I don't have my classmates from school or even my local 4-H club. So, like, why am I going to this? Mm -hmm. And I remember feeling nervous, which if you know me, I don't get nervous with, like, crowds of people. I love it. I feed off the energy. But I was legitimately nervous. I was in eighth grade. And I get out of the car. And as I'm walking towards, like, the registration, three or four people just, like, and just like screamed and like people that I've met at different conferences but I didn't know they were going to be there and just like and they came up and they hugged me and they're like we're so glad you're here and I was like I, I'm glad to be here too like and, and it just turned my entire viewpoint of that event of like I was dreading it I was nervous I didn't want to be there to oh my gosh I'm I'm wanted and I think John Wesley calls it I want to say I don't misquote this like radical hospitality mm-hmm. of like you know being the hospital hospitable to a point where like it's not about you it's about making the other person feel like they are part of this yeah um anyways i digress i love it part of that acceptance and feeling welcomed what made you end up at coming first united methodist just out of curiosity are you Um, from coming georgia i grew up in coming okay but i did not grow up in the church i did not actually start even attending the church uh, regularly until I was 20, the year I turned 27. 
Uh, so I wasn't really actively following Christ until I was almost 30. Uh, oh, and wow. I, I would say really not actively following Christ until right at about 30. But anyway, so uh, we, uh, we, my husband and I, Jacques. Shout out to Jacques. Yes. Beautiful human being. <laughs> we uh, landed at Coming First. After, honestly, we left another church. And we left that church because just misunderstandings uh, about just about different things. There's all kinds of misunderstandings that take place in church. Mm-hmm. I've been in leadership there, and um, just not to not to get off in that too much. The biggest thing was I was young as a Christian. So when you think about the fact that I have really only been. Uh, really following Christ, you know, walking with the Lord, as some would say, or intentionally um, following Jesus, that makes me about 21 years old spiritually. So while I am much older than that in my, in my um, chronological age, I am much younger than that in my spirit. And, and I think really at the time it was just I think there was some legitimate frustration, some legitimate disappointments that we experienced, but I think there was some immaturity really on 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 my behalf, and maybe not, I don't know, but we ended up leaving the church that we'd been a part of. We had been uh, very involved in leadership there. Um, that was really where I got fully involved in youth ministry Um, That was where I felt my first call into ministry. It was where I began to, actually, I left there and went to spend a year as an intern at the Wesley Foundation at the University of Georgia at that time. Yeah, it was an incredible experience. I was 30 at the time. So Wait, so you were 30? And people who don't know, Wesley is a college ministry. It's a college ministry. And usually, like, some people who graduate... UGA or North Georgia will do like a year afterwards or a year or maybe two years right. as a intern and they like self fundraise. Right. <laughs> and so, so, <laughs> so instead of being 21 or 22, you were 30 at this time? 30. And I had not even graduated with my undergraduate yet. So I was really, I was really, so when you talk about welcoming <laughs> yeah. the one who doesn't feel welcome, that is my story. <laughs> <laughs> So, yeah, so I had gotten involved in this ministry called River of Life. And the way I got involved was we were volunteering with the youth ministry. Mm-hmm. Our youth minister at our church uh, had experienced this before, and so she brought it to our church, and it was, and it went well. We hosted it. Other churches came from all over Georgia. We went out into the community for over the over the course of three and a half days, and we did... Uh, uh, home repair projects. We did okay. some roofing, some painting, that sort of thing. So she had she had put all this together and led it. And then she got pregnant as we were coming into the next summer. We committed to do it for two summers. She got pregnant and developed preeclampsia. And so she was unable to, you know, to really take on the leadership there and said, to me, it was something along the lines of, I'm not going to be able to do this, but I thought that you'd be great at doing it, so I've given the guy your name. (laughs) It was more of a kind of thrown into it sort of thing. So we did it again, and it was a hugely um, transformational experience for me. It was, but it was the moment when I realized that that God was calling me into ministry. And so my time at the church that we were at, it was not just, oh, we went to church. It was, it it was becoming aware of so many different parts of myself and, and, and becoming aware of my spiritual self. So that, that year was very transformational. Well, it put me in touch with a man named. Was that in Athens? Was that? So no, this was in coming. When we did River of Life, it was in coming. So this is after the Wesley? Mm, This is before. This is what led to it. Okay, okay, okay. I'm sorry. sorry. No, 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 that's okay. So uh, through that whole experience, I had been, there's the man that started it. His name is Bob Beckwith, Reverend Bob Beckwith. He is the director of the Wesley Foundation. Mm -hmm. I just want to say under his leadership, it has grown to be the largest Wesley Foundation in the country. Mm Mm-hmm. But Bob was just starting out at Wesley when I was just starting out with River of Life. 
So we had had these conversations and afterwards we were talking after the event, we were talking and I shared with him that I really felt like God was calling me into ministry. Actually, I think that was the following year that I felt like God was calling me to something more. Well, this was, he had just finished his first year as director of, of Wesley in Athens. And he said, well, Hey, why don't you come over here and be an intern with me? So I prayed about it and Jacques prayed about it. And it was, it was really exactly what we felt like God was calling, calling us to do. So for that next year, I was the 30 year old intern among the 21 and 22 and 23 year olds and, um, experienced just a whole new different, it was a very different experience. So Wesley came after, after that, but then uh, that was after that we returned to, I returned to the church and and I want to say, when I look back over the course of my walk, I realize leaving Wesley because I didn't have to, I could have stayed and, and was encouraged to stay. But I look back and I see that that was a very significant moment when I chose the path that I, I thought at the time it was the path I wanted God, that God wanted me to take. But it was the path that Kelly wanted Kelly to take. Mm. And I can look back and see that that was an error. I mean, really, Jacques and I both can. We, we look back and we both would tell you to this day, we should have stayed. But we didn't. And God redeems that. You right. know, God doesn't just say, oh, well, see you later. Too bad for you. You know, and thank God for that, right? Yeah. You chose wrongly. <laughs> like, oh, okay, all right, well, game over. Yeah, yeah, that's, uh, well, there you go. So anyway, we found, we returned, and, and, and like I said, some disappointing things, some frustrating things happened. I've learned a lot since then, but more than anything else, I, I think just my lack of maturity as as a, as a Christian in community mm -hmm. uh, was at play there. And we thought that it was time to go. Well, well let me ask you this, because I'm, I'm thinking about that in my mind right now, is I feel like there's some people who would use saying, I've been in church or a Christian for 30 plus years. And then there's someone who's been a Christian in the church for less, you know, let's say for a year. But I feel like it doesn't equate of like, you know, it's not like a resume in a sense of, you know, well, the longer you're in church or the longer you're a Christian, the more stock you have with Jesus. Because I've seen people <laughs> who are very young in their faith mm -hmm. who had the fire and the spirit of like, okay, you're listening to the word. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, and maybe it's the lack of worldly experience that dampens their faith or dampens their fire because as we get older, maybe we get more jaded yeah. to the world and like what the world is and like the, the things that we're slaves to, you know, the ways that we have to live. And then we become a little more, I'm not saying everybody, but there's a little bit more of like realism and how, right. you know, does that make sense? So like, right. you know, you're, I feel like you're, maybe you're downing yourself a little bit, but there's also like a maybe positivity in the sense of there is no time limit to when you become the best Christian or the best version of yourself, yeah. you know? So there may have been some flaws, you know, I'm in, immature because of my age, but maybe not so much immature in your faith. Does that make sense? No, it makes absolute sense. Because I've seen and some middle schoolers who just blow my mind of like, wait, you just said that? Yeah. Like, oh, okay, all right. Like, kudos to you. So uh, so that makes me think of something that I would like to talk about. And, okay. And it actually was part of the question, sort of, that you sent. But I want to finish answering your okay. first question, yeah, yeah. Uh, which was how did we end up at coming first? Mm -hmm. So because we thought we're going to go and visit some churches. And actually, my sister, they had left the other church about the same time we had. Turned out there was a, a lot of people that had left that church. We had two different services. And you know how that goes. If you're not at a service, then you don't know who's not at the service you don't go to. Right. So once we, once, once we left um, and started attending coming, we actually saw lots of people there that we didn't know had, had started attending there. Anyway, it was after 9-11. 
which also played Ooh, a role as yeah, well. Yeah. But it was after 9-11, the church was still meeting in what is now the Family Life Center, which is now where 951 meets. The, the big sanctuary building was not finished yet. And when I was at Wesley, I experienced pretty charismatic worship. There were a lot of things that I was exposed to for the first time when I was at Wesley. So we're at Coming First one Sunday morning, and the, the pastor was uh, Reverend John Cromedy, one of my all-time favorite. He's a huge listener to the podcast. He is, yeah, 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 <laughs> is <yeah>. he? <laughs> but he's, John was pretty pivotal in my life. Um, so we're sitting there. And they're talking about 9-11, you know, just kind of the response to that. You know, lots of people went to church after 9-11. The church is really filled up. And I don't even remember all that he talked about. But we, he got to the end of his sermon, and he invited people to pray together. But he invited them to pray together Korean style. Okay. Now... I'm pretty sure most of the people in that room didn't know what that meant. I think most people listening to this podcast says, I don't, I don't know what that means. So What's Korean he, style Well, prayer? and I had learned that at Wesley. So when he said that, I mean, it was almost like... <gasps> wait, wait, I mean, wait, wait, Is it when everybody is in a circle and like you start praying out loud at the same time? I mean, you can do it in a circle. I don't know if you're... Oh, okay. But we were all... At, but yes, okay, everybody's okay, okay. praying outside. At, one point I mean, outside. Everybody's praying out loud at one time. Okay. When he said that, and I thought... Wait a minute. What kind of place am I in? And then the other thing, I think it was a communion Sunday. I think it was the first Sunday in, uh, in the month. So, you know, of course, naturally in the Methodist church, that means communion. And there was something in his face. There was some kind of peace in his face. And I thought between that and the Korean style thing, <laughs> the Korean style prayer, yeah. not just a thing. I thought, I want to come back here. So uh, so we did. And really, I think like anything else, we didn't, we didn't visit any other churches after that. We just kind of kept going. We were looking for a place to land. We needed a place to land. A faith community is huge, hugely important mm -hmm. uh, in my life. Um, so that's how we got to coming first. But now you were going back to that to that other thing that you said about... About how people... This, I don't think there's... And I know this because I've been attacked because of this. Like I, right. I've had someone tell me, you don't know Jesus as well because you haven't known him as long as I have. Yeah. And I'm like, whoa. Like, And luckily there was a third person there that... I, I wasn't defending me, but defended the fact that, man, like you can't put like a chronological... like. Man, well, they knew him before you did, so you know they have a deeper relationship. They may have, you know, they may have more of an opportunity to have a, a greater understanding because they've read scripture more, or they've you know advanced their prayer life or journaling or whatever it may be. Maybe their walk with God has been longer, but doesn't mean it's. I think you can't cheapen the experience that someone's had, or you know the things that they've God's put on their heart or in their mind. Like we don't discount. Jesus, because he was, you know, 30 and not 65, you know, right. when he was here. Or, you know, David. We talk about David. Well, guess what? He was pretty young, yeah. you know what I mean, when yeah. he defeated the Goliath. And so not to cheapen someone's faith because of their age right. or the not even just their age, but the uh, the longevity of their relationship with the Lord. Right. You know, because you, know, you were 30. But, you know, you're only known the Lord for, you know, three years, right. two and a half, whatever. Right. And so not to go, well, mm, you're not quite there yet. Right. But we'll let you know when you can come to the big kids table. Right. And it's like, whoa, or, whoa, that arrogance. Or because you are 30, to mm -hmm. assume that you've reached a place of maturity. And, and while that may be true in some places of your life, that doesn't necessarily mean it's true in that spiritual place in your life. Uh, on one hand, for me... I exuded much confidence. I exuded ability. I was 30. But I had, I was, I, I didn't have the maturity. I didn't have the understanding of the church. I didn't have, the only thing I knew was that God was changing my life. That was all I knew, that my life was changing. And that the only thing, the central, the central part of that was the Lord. That's all I knew. Right. Um, 
an interesting thing that happened in that time, and I'll share this because I think it also has, I think, so here's the thing that's been on my mind lately. Okay. Identity. Identity. Ooh, preach it. Let's go. (laughs) Let's go. I'm all about this. And who you, and and it's not, so I, so when I, when I realized that I was being called into ministry, I did the thing that you would do and you talk to your pastor and, and I had a great well-meaning pastor who mm-hmm. also had not been in the ministry for very long. Um, I had left, uh, Bob, Bob really was a mentor for me at Wesley uh, because we were closer in age than, you know, <laughs> the rest of the interns. Uh, there were, we, we could share a little bit of life experience uh, together. So to have someone who was uh, closer to my age, who ministry was a second career for him. Right. Uh, so some, some, some similarities, some similarities there to have that kind of mentorship. I had left that and, uh, and come back to this place. And so the guidance that I was getting is, was it really didn't fit my life. So in the Methodist church, you know, there's a big long process and the process is there for a reason. And, and, and it's arduous really, but you don't just say, Hey, I feel like I'm called, you know, I feel like I'm called and, and they put you in a pulpit, which, right. or put you in a place of, you know, of leadership, similar leadership like that, which is smart. I don't think that's a bad idea. Right. Some churches do that. And, and, you know, good for them. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, but I was ushered into this process. So you, in the Methodist church, you do undergrad, then you go to seminary. And then you do this three-year-long, um, it's not a probation period, but it's a... It's Induction a, phase? Well, it's thing. a... I can't remember the word for it, but... Well, I do know North Georgia Conference for the church. Some of y'all are probably like, what are y'all talking about? But it has a year longer. It's three years, whereas other conferences only require two years. Oh, okay. I so, didn't know that. But it's a... Um, but it's because they want the best of the best. Right. So they make it a year longer, just a little tidbit. So I, so I was directed towards this process, and it wasn't something that I was ready for, but mm. I didn't feel like I could say I was ready for it or that I wasn't ready for it. And I, I felt like there were expectations of me to do and be certain things. Now, a lot of that is just Kelly, but... Right. The reason that I felt that way, I'm able to realize now all these years later, is I really hadn't learned yet who I was in Christ. I, I hadn't really learned who I was as Kelly, who God had created Kelly to be. And that's a process. Okay. And I think for, for young people, and I think that's the thing, people can go their entire lives and they can go to church and they can tithe, they can do all the right things, they can check all the boxes, and they never find their identity. Somebody else can be, you know, 13, 15, 21 years old, and they get it, and they mm-hmm. find it, and they, they are able to step into that. And so I think when we, I think once you, you realize, once you're able to recognize who you are, apart from what society and the church and everybody else, who you are and who you're not. Uh, one of the great lessons I've learned is I, I am passionate, and there is a strength to my passion. There <laughs> could be a little scary for people, too. Um, and I have to learn how to, how, to, how to navigate that, and there's some maturing that you know, has had to take place with that. That is who I am. I am not shy. I am, I am not quiet. I am not the person, you know, my husband can sit through an entire group conversation and never say a word and be perfectly comfortable with that and be perfectly at ease. That is not who I am. Which is true because I taught confirmation <laughs> with the two of you. <laughs> And was like, eh, oh, Kelly's got a question. All right. <laughs> like, oh, oh, Kelly's got a comment. I always have a question or a comment. Can I, can I mention this real quick? Yeah. You know, you, you hit me here with this identity talk, and you're, you're absolutely true about, like, knowing who you are in Christ. And just, I was, I don't know, we've talked about this before. I don't think I've talked about it on the podcast, but 
I'm a huge 4-H'er. Mm-hmm. Did it in middle school, high school. I don't know if you know. Uh, my listeners know this. I got into 4-H because my dad was deployed to Iraq. Oh, Thank I you for your know. service, Dad. And my mom was like, he's got to have something to fill that void in that time. Mm-hmm. And so she put me into 4-H, and that's where I, I fell in love with it. Did it in high school. Did all the different things. State boards. You know, all these things you can do in the world of 4-H. And then I was a camp counselor in college. Mm-hmm. And I did it for four summers. I was the lead. I was the Papa Bear, which was the lead counselor at Wasiga. And after that summer, the the camp director was like, Ben, I want you to come back for a fifth summer. And I was like, which is kind of old in the 4-H world, like maybe three summers, four summers if you're like, you know, good. <laughs> Five summers means like, whoa, legendary status. Like, <laughs> and so I was like, yes. Like, you know, not only did I become a great would force them. I'm about to be a legend. You're like, like you the, know, great the great white buffalo. The great white buffalo. That's exactly right. And that through that December, you know, they announced it in December for the next fall and summer through some politics and things I was, you know, not aware of. I didn't get it. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I got a letter saying, hey, thank you for your service, oh, but you're, wow. you're no longer needed. And I... I was close with the camp director of all camps and also the one that, of this particular camp. And so I was like, man, like, it was like the superintendent and the principal. Like, the, I was close with the superintendent and the principal of this camp, um, little education terms. And I was devastated. How bad. And I volunteered with stuff. Like, I was doing great. And then this, this crept in my mind was like, did I not do a good job? Did I have like bad evals? Did I not? Was I not exemplary? Like, was was I not good at creating community? Was I not a good leader? Mm-hmm. Like, all these things started creeping in. And I was, I mean, I went through, like, some depression. I, I remember texting I my friend Hannah, who worked with me that summer, and we were we went to the same college and education program. I was like, Hannah, like, did I mess up? Like, what did I do? And through it all, through being active in the Delonga United Methodist Church, I realized that my identity was in a clover and not in a cross. Mm-hmm. You know, that I was devastated because I didn't get something in 4-H that I loved, but it shouldn't have shaken my foundation. Right. It made me dis- disappointed, like, man, okay, like, I wish I had gotten it, but okay. And that summer, I ended up going to a Christian camp in North Carolina. Got a job there as, like, the assistant director, and I loved it. Like, it was amazing. And I, and I, I combined my camp knowledge of 4-H, which is diverse and faiths and yeah. you know a lot of different things there and then my my christian faith and i got to kind of meld it that summer mm-hmm. which helped me grow in my faith which i would not have happened if i had gone back to the 4-h camp right and so it it, it just taught me a lot of like man like when your identity is in christ and your identity is in you know the gospel and the bible you may have some disappointing news, but you will not have devastating news right. because God will not forsake you. Right. Like, and it was just a cool, like, man, and I see a lot of kids today well, and people in general whose identity is in their job, their identity is in social media or whatever it may be. It may be in, um, you know, their, their America. Mm-hmm. Can be being an American, which I'm not saying you know be proud to be an American, like uh, you yeah. know, but like if America is is an identity in politics, right? There's a little bit of a difference there. If you're like your identity is in a political party, which either one, and it's not in Christ, right? And like maybe you can still have opinions move. I don't know if I'm rambling here, but it just it was just a huge life lesson for me to go. I I need something that's unconditional. Yeah. And that's God's love for me. Right. Not something that has conditions I have to meet in parameters. Right. God, you know, is going to meet me where I'm at. He's not going to leave me where I'm at, but he's going to meet me where I'm at. Right. And I think that's just really important. So. Well, and I think it's important, too, because when when you're, when you, and, and we do it and we don't know. I mean, I'll say, honestly, for 20 years, my identity was in the church. And, and you think, oh, but we get confused. The church is not Jesus. Mm-hmm. We get, I think we get very confused on that. I, actually, I heard, I want to, I want to listen to more about it. I have shared this with some friends. 
I heard a podcast of Bishop Michael Curry, who good is, friend of mine. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The the bishop, the presiding bishop of the Episcopal Church. Yeah, yes, yeah. I, I love the circles you run in. <laughs> Soon, <laughs> this podcast has a huge reach. You know, a huge audience. So. But the bishop of the what church? The Episcopal Church. Episcopal Church, okay. So he was talking about there is Christianity and churchianity. Ooh. Yeah, I know. Ooh, I like that. And it wasn't an original idea of his. It was, he was, when I heard it, he referred to it, and and it was something that he had, uh, that he he talks about another lady, and I can't remember her name. This is why I say I've got to read more about it. Um that he got out of uh, a conversation with her. But we find in faith communities, we find, you know, it's where we come to know, uh, it's where we come to know the gospel. It's where we come to understand the gospel as it relates to to our lives, to the world, to the community. And, and, we, and it gives us a pattern for, for practicing those things. You know, it's like our liturgies. It, it is... I, I want to say, for lack of a better term, it's almost like uh, that's where we learn kind of the guardrails of faith. You know, these are these are the things we we learn the teachings of Jesus and so on and so forth. Right. We identify with the church. Um, we identify with that becoming our community. But a lot of times, we replace things like that. We put those things into place in our lives of Jesus. And, 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 and so for me, it was a hard lesson. It was a, it was a, it was a blow that, that caused me to realize that, wow, you have, you, you have found your value in your role in the church. Uh, you have found, I, I discovered a lot of gifts. I did a lot of good work during the time that I was in leadership, both, uh, you know, as a staff member and as a, as a heavily involved volunteer. But that was where I was getting my value. And mm-hmm. my value wasn't coming from, wasn't really coming from who I was in God through Christ. And it wasn't just that Jesus loved me and died and was resurrected for me. It was truly who God made Kelly to be in this world. You know, Stephen uh, Walters, our pastor at 951, uh, he always says, uh, and he always says, I always tell you this every week. Yes, you do, Stephen. Uh, you were created on purpose for a purpose. And and it's true. Which literally, I think when you walked in here today, I talked about that um, off mic, about purpose. Mm-hmm. That... Today's my devotional that I did today, but also my friend Josh Aikens called, who is a friend of mine from 4-H. Uh, and also, I want to clarify, I do not hate 4-H. Still is a phenomenal youth organization. Um, just throwing that out there. But he called me last night, mm-hmm. and uh, he is a... I called him because he's he's a, a black man, lives in Atlanta. Sure. We've known each other for a long time, and I just wanted to talk to him, like, you know, how can we be supportive... What's going on? What should I, if I had an opportunity to tell my youth kids things about how to be more supportive, what could I do? Just trying to listen and learn with him. But one of the things that we talked about with our faith, because uh, he's a believer, is purpose. Mm-hmm. Identifying your purpose and being obedient to that purpose. That was one of the big words he kept saying, be obedient, because you mentioned earlier about you know going Kelly's path versus God's path, mm-hmm. is having the obedience of going, you know what, I, it's not about me, mm-hmm. it's about what God's leading me towards. And right. so how to be obedient to that purpose? And he said, Ben, what's your purpose? Right. And I said, man, that's a, that's a big question. That's a heavy question. Like, you know, And I've always felt like my purpose... And you said that with Stephen, like you're created for a purpose. What, what does he say? You're, you're created on purpose for a purpose. On purpose for a purpose. Maybe that would be the title of this episode. <laughs> um, but he said, uh, and I, well, I told him like youth development, like I did with 4-H. I did when I was a school teacher, when I taught out in Texas, like I did with youth ministry. I, I think young people are, you know, not only just the future of the world, but man, they're like, there's, they're, they're diamonds, you mm-hmm. know, and like let's, let's treat them as much. And there's hurt. 
I've had kids that have dealt with teen pregnancy. I've dealt with kids whose dads were in prison, I, uh, part of gangs. I've had kids, students of mine, who are in gangs. Yeah. And so like, I've had like just this opportunity of heartbreaking of like, man, like that breaks my heart. And if it breaks my heart, that means I'm being called to, to work on to it. To tend to it. To mm-hmm. tend to it. Mm-hmm. That's a, a perfect word, tend to it. And so like, I told him that's my purpose. I don't think, I think that's the big scale purpose. I don't know if like, you know, if a youth minister at Coming First, or if it's a youth minister at a different church, or if it's going back to the classroom, or what, I don't know if that, I'm still learning that purpose of like where yeah. God wants me, but I know the overall purpose is like, you know, you need to be helping young people yeah. uh, and be advocates for them. Uh, I just kind of want to ramble in there, but do you feel like that's been a journey of yours, finding like what is Kelly's purpose? Oh, yeah. And what does that mean? Yeah. What breaks Kelly's heart? And that's where I need to go towards. Yeah. Um, do you want to expand a little bit on that? Because you, you look, she looks like she's a, a fat kid <laughs> in a candy shop right now. Like, like let me t- let me tell you about what breaks my heart and what my purpose is. So, um, yeah, I don't know if you've if people. When I have preached before, I have said a couple of times uh, a talk that I heard Andy Stanley do at Catalyst, mm-hmm. and he asked the question, which which we went we uh, we talked about this all night. <laughs> we went to the same Catalyst conference, and we didn't oh, we even know did? each other. Yeah, I thought we talked about that. We went to the oh, same. Oh no, that's right. Yeah, we went yes, to the we same Catalyst conference, um, yeah. but we didn't know each other at the time. Yeah. But what if we like bumped into each other? I was like, "Oh, excuse me, ma'am." You're like, "Oh, excuse me, sir." But like we like then like <laughs> later on we like we got became friends. So, but anyways, I was at that conference. I don't remember it probably as well. You well, do. but he said he was talking about Nehemiah, and I, I won't go into all that. Go and read the book of Nehemiah if you want to know the story. But during the course of that, he said. Well, maybe I should. I'm going to talk a little bit about that. So Nehemiah was a cupbearer to the king. Israel had been taken into captivity. And, uh, and, and if I meant cupbearer being someone to make sure the king's not poisoned, right? Yeah, uh, and like yeah. goes and grabs drinks and stuff like that. Yeah, I think so. In case you so. didn't know what a cupbearer uh, uh, was. Yeah. So, so in, in other words, Nehemiah played no great role mm-hmm. to the king or in the kingdom. He had a fairly... It was an important role, but it wasn't one that was high paid. Let's put it that way. So, and I could be getting it wrong, which is, again, why anybody should go and read the story. Yeah, absolutely. But Nehemiah, for, I can't rem- and I can't remember, and I didn't know we were going to go there, or I would have been a little bit more brushed up on this. <laughs> but he goes back to build the wall. In the city, he he really feels so. Basically, the upshot of it is, uh, he felt like God had laid a, a burden, if you will, or was calling him uh, to go and build the wall in the city. Had no wall building experience, but felt strongly about it. So he went back, went to the king, said, "Hey, this is what I feel like I really need to do," and. The king was like, okay, go do your thing. And so he did. And, and it's very interesting to read about that story. Um, people wanted to kill Nehemiah. You know, it's very interesting. The Old Testament is so right. interesting. I will say, as a side note, that is where I came to know God, was the Old Testament. When I, I get that sometimes people get freaked out by some of the stories, nothing but grace abounds in those stories. Anyway, now I digress. Back to the story. So Andy Stanley's talking about this at that Catalyst conference, and he says he has two questions, and those questions are, who are you, and what breaks your heart? Well, I was preaching that next Sunday, as a matter of fact, and that really sat hard with me, and I was talking about evangelism in my sermon. We were doing a sermon series at the time, and that particular Sunday was on evangelism, and, and I, I sat with that question for a long time, and so who, I, who am I? Well, I'm Kelly. I am a child of God. I was created by God. I am a Christian. I am a follower of Jesus. And what breaks my heart is people who do not know how valued they are, who have not found their lives and their selves in the knowledge of God's love and God's grace. That's what breaks my heart. But it's so much more than 
do you know the Lord? I think we want to, you know, we, we want to boil things down to, oh, you're a Christian. Well, what does that mean? What does that really mean? I mean, kind of like right. we were talking earlier, you know, you can, you can go your whole life and be a Christian and never be intimately acquainted with God. You can, you can go your whole life and never really get how down and dirty Jesus got for people, for all kinds of people. And, and I, I don't want people to do that. For all people. For all people. Uh-huh. So uh, a couple of, there, there are a couple of, of things that, I mean, some kind of well-known things that I want to point out about identity and, and how important I believe our identity is to God. Okay. Finding our identity in him. First of all, it's the conversation that he has with Moses. Um, which is, you know, for, for those listeners who are not young, you know, sometimes we feel like we have lived our life. I could have left, I could have felt like there've been a couple, there've been a few different times in my life that have been severely disappointing. Your 4-H camp experience, mm-hmm. uh, I've had that happen a few times. I could have did the thing that Moses did. You could have did the thing that Moses did which was run and think that that life was behind you walk into another life and, and a good life. But you know what, what, but that was a, you know, his time in Egypt, that was a different time. It was over. And now he was herding sheep and just raising his family. And God shows up and says, no, I, I got something for you. Um, in that story, he tells Moses, you know, he's heard his people crying. He wants to bring them out of bondage uh, in Egypt, and he's sending Moses to do it. And Moses says, "Who do I? Who do I say that that is sending me?" And God says, "I am." You tell them, "I am who I am." In Hebrew, "I am who I am" translates three different ways. I am who I am. I will be who I will be, and I will do who I will do. This is who you are. This is who you will be. This is who you are. This is how you live out who you are. And with those things, this is what you'll do. Identity and purpose. So we say... Dang, girl. I know, I know. Yeah, preach it from the mountaintop. (laughs) Come on now. And so it's important. I'm not saying... I, I don't want people to misunderstand that and think, oh, we're on the same level as God. But I think it was very important that God said that to Moses because then Moses had to carry that with him in him. Mm-hmm. He had to go to Pharaoh and say, I am who I am has sent me. I, God has sent me. God within me has sent me. God within me is forming me. Later on, Jesus says to Peter, who do you say that I am? Well, you know, if somebody was having a conversation, so if I said, Ben, who do you say that I am? Well, you're going to tell me. Don't tell me now. Okay, okay. I, mean, I mean, you can, but you don't have to. But if you're having that conversation, so you know what, man? Who do you say that I am? What do you think about me? Tell me what you think about me. That's what Jesus is saying to Peter. And so then they get finished with that, and it moves on. And, of course, Peter says, you know, you're the Savior. You're the Son of, you're the son of God and I, the Son of Man. That's... But you know, I always like to think about things in real life. But if you're having a conversation with somebody like that, somebody else is going to say, well, what do you think about me? I wonder if Peter didn't say or didn't sit with that question, well, well, Jesus, who do you say that I am? And, And I think part of that story, when you think of it in light of the exchange with Moses, I think part of that is, is supposed to sit with us that way. You know, or maybe it's just me. Who do you say that I am, Jesus? You are my Lord. Who do you say that I am? Who am I supposed to be? Well, then there's another story that I've been thinking about, and it's Mary and Martha, which, you know, all of us who are female identify with that. And, and I'll say... Mm, I'll say some males do too. And some males should. I, I think that has to do... You know, women always relate to that like males can't. But please, who are we kidding? And so it's a story of a lot of different things. But, 
But one of the ways I like to talk about it is it's kind of the duality of who we are. You know, it's not just, it's not, you know, they were sisters, but it's not just one or the other. There's, we've all got the Mary and Martha in us. Interestingly, though, it occurred to me uh, back some time ago when I was reading that again. So Martha's in the kitchen doing her thing, and Jesus comes, and, you know, and she's like, Lord, I mean, you know the story. Mm. Look, my sister Mary's in there just doing nothing. Right. Well, really, it occurred to me that what Mary had done, Mary was expected to be helping to prepare the meal. She was expected to be helping to serve and, and to do whatever else, because that was what women did in that particular culture. But what Mary did was she departed from what was expected of her. And she went and she sat at the feet of Jesus. The only place you learn who you are is at the feet of Jesus. That is where you learn who you are. Dang. I know. Cody Claudon, you are spitting some truth right now. It's I, in the book. I think of, <laughs> you ever heard of, a, you know what an IP address is? Yeah. Uh, it's, well, it's identity and purpose. Identity and purpose. That's what it is. Identity uh, you know purpose. what I mean? Um, but once we once we we have to get past the social conventions just like Mary Mm -hmm. we have to get past our fear just like Moses our insecurity I mean just reading the story of Moses so much it's so much we have to grow we have to become and, 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 and that's it's in that process we find no you don't know all of how your purpose is going to work out. And that, and I don't think necessarily, and I feel like I'm at an age now where I can say it, the purpose doesn't necessarily change. But the way that plays out it is always, it is, it is always ebbing and flowing. And, and that doesn't mean that, you know, one of my, my brother who has been the longest spiritual mentor in my life, he's a teacher. He has been a teacher for years. Yes, thank you. So it may always be that that's that's a ministry for him. That's mm-hmm. a ministry for many teachers. Absolutely. That doesn't mean that there are not other things in their life that their purpose is not connected to. So when I say ebb and flow, you you see different things, you know, change and grow and go away, and but the purpose remains. Does that make sense? Well, that's literally what I was talking about earlier. It's like my big purpose, mm-hmm. I feel like, is in, you know, working with young people. But the ebb and flow of like, well, maybe it's not this particular job or maybe it's, you know, it, it can change. But the, the big purpose it is is there. But maybe the way that I, the avenue that I go to fulfill that purpose may ebb and flow. Right. Um, right. And I think that, that's really awesome. I think, too, there's a lot of people who you, you, we hit like like 10 notes. I wish we had like <laughs> like a three-hour podcast. Um, but the Mary and Martha, I think that hits a lot of home with especially young people, but also just anybody in the sense of, that's why I said like guides can relate to this too, is Martha, and a lot of times in my head, is someone who is doing the works. Like I'm working, I'm getting accolades, like I'm doing what I'm told, I'm doing what I expected of me. Uh, and we get run down of like routine. Right. My routine is someone comes to my house, I have to cook, clean, do the stuff, and get prepared. That's what Martha's doing. But what's our routine? Is our routine, you know, getting up, going to work, eating dinner, watching a show, go to bed? You know, right. like what is our routine that we do? And we get kind of downgraded. Like, whoa, 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 there's a huge aspect called what Mary's doing, which is spending time at the feet of Jesus. Like, hey, like, stop doing the routine thing of whatever you're doing in your life and not saying, like, you know, everybody has to go be a monk, you know, right, like right. you're living it. But you have to look at the, the, the criticalness of spending time with Jesus because that's going to, everything flows through that. And so how do we equate or how do we spend our time being more like Mary and spending time with Jesus and not spending so much time on what the... I guess the world or the expectations of what Martha was doing. Right. Uh, And I think that can relate to everybody, this duality of like, Hey man, like, you know, I can, you can get caught up in the Martha of your purpose. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. And that's where, that's where I was in the church. When I say my identity was in the church, that was, I was living, I was living in my Martha. 
Sorry to interrupt you. No, 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 absolutely. So you're thinking about working as a Martha. Um, as As we think about closing thoughts here on the Great White Buffalo, on the podcast, as our listeners know, we usually like to leave with like a nugget, like something to wisdom to take from this episode, they can go, all right, that's going to be the something that I, I chew on until the next episode. And you've had a lot of, like, I mean, this is like a 10-piece McNugget right here because there's like so many nuggets right now. So if you could wrap this into something that you would really want to soak into, like, okay, this is the thing I want you to chew about, think about, uh, something that I want you to hopefully hit home, what would that be? Are you going here? And mine's, I'll do mine first. That way you can kind of, you know, crush yours with your elegancy is mine is, Oh gosh. Well now I'm thinking about, I don't want to steal what you may say, but just in my, in my conversations today or yesterday with my friend Josh and the Devo that I did today is knowing what breaks your heart, identifying that and making it, making your, your, um, what was the word? Tend to it. Mm-hmm. Tend to the broken heartness and seeking a path to fulfilling that purpose. You know, minds work with young people. Well, what's yours? You know, and maybe it's not a career, but maybe it's something that you do, you know, outside of what you're working your career. But like in my free time, I'm really going to help at a food pantry because it breaks my heart that people can't have a warm meal or have food at the table. And I'm going to tend to that. And so I'm going to volunteer, you know, twice a week or once a month or whatever it may be. Tend to that. So find, identify what breaks your heart and then go, I'm going to be proactive and working in that field, finding my purpose and that drive. That's kind of my nugget. Yeah. What do you got? So I would say in thinking about your purpose, first of all, I think you have to, you have to ask the question, Jesus, who do you say I am? I think you have to have, I think you have to create opportunity and space in your life to be still, to sit before the Lord and ask the question, who do you say that I am? And then I think you have to pay attention and, and not try to rush. We, we live in such a, a world um, we live in a world where instant gratification has become the thing. But even before, you know, back when I was growing up, when there was still the rotary dial telephone, even then, you know, you figured out what it was you wanted to do, and then you went and you did it. Well, sometimes you figure out what you want to do, and then you just wait for God to bring those opportunities. You know, there's a saying, I, I don't know where it's from, but you know about, maybe it's from a movie. I don't even know. Right. But the way opens. And I am finding more and more that when I am paying attention to what that thing is within me that, that I feel God kind of calling me to or, or drawing. And, and no, no, no. When I pay attention to the fact that the same thing keeps coming up in my head. So for years, so for me, the thing that I'm always drawn to is women. Mm-hmm. When there's a situation... How is it affecting women? How is it affecting girls? What, what's going on there? Well, so that, that's something that to me is God bringing that up. That's an interest in so many ways for me. So, you know, you do. You continue to follow that. And then, like you said, um, when you feel, when you're rushing out in action, I find for me, when I've rushed out, I've run ahead of God and I've run in the wrong direction. Instead of when you have opportunities, think about it, sit with it. So it goes back to the question, who do you say that I am? Who do you want me to be? I am who I am. I will do what I will do, or I will be what I, who I will be, and I will do what I will do. If we will ask God to, to help us identify and direct those things, when you try something, so try something. Yeah, so I, I went and I volunteered at, you know, uh, a food bank. And, and that was okay, but, you know, I, I didn't come away feeling like that was my thing. That's okay. Don't keep doing the thing that doesn't feel like the thing. Mm-hmm. If it's not working for you in some way, that doesn't mean that 
that you're wrong or you're, you're selfish, although sometimes those things are true, but that's a different conversation. But, you know, sometimes there's, some, there's somewhere else that God wants to use you. There's, there's somewhere else. Pay attention to what you feel in your heart, what you feel in your soul, the thoughts that keep coming up in your mind towards those things. Does that make sense? It makes perfect sense. I, I'd like to, I wish I could say it more, cons, more succinctly, um, but I can't. No. <laughs> <laughs> oh my and you got to do what Mary did. You got to go where Jesus is leading you. And sometimes that means it's in a place where your sister, your brother, society, and everybody else says you shouldn't be. It's uncomfortable. It's uncomfortable. Yeah. yeah. Well, Kelly, I I really hope you enjoyed this. I know our I listeners did. have. It was fun. We could I, talk for hours. Yes, please. I hope you come back. Uh, bring Jacques. He is a male model. He's a wonderful human being. <laughs> uh, we, I appreciate you for being here. Thank you. Um, I appreciate being here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the Great White Buffalo podcast. Don't forget to give us a five-star rating on Apple. Write us a review. It helps us get noticed. We're on Spotify. We got merch. DM us. If you had something that really hit home today in today's episode, uh, on Instagram, we're on the Great White Buffalo podcast. Send us a message. Uh, and I, I, I know Kelly, so I can tell her, you know, if someone gives you a shout out like, hey, yeah. Kelly, really hit home here. I'll definitely let you know. Uh, but we just want fans to be involved. And so we appreciate you being here. Thank you. All right. Thank you for listening to the Great White Buffalo podcast.